Act 13, Comet 2, The Underestimated Chapter 1, Comet Comes to Earth. Once the royal carriage passed through the interdimensional portal, Comet curiously peeked out the window to see his new home away from home. Until today, the only lands he had ever visited outside of Muni's borders were the underworld and the Cloud Kingdom. The prince was curious as to how a dimension could possibly function without any magic, and worried that he would be unable to cope. Much to his pleasant surprise, he saw that while their magical sources were non-existent, their technological advancements were almost more advanced than Muni's. Everywhere he looked, he saw vehicles moving without the aid of invisible goats, square-shaped mirrors for communication, and machines that gave people money if they inserted a special card. And still as they went on, there were more things that caught his eye. As they stopped at a stoplight, Comet saw a street performer entertaining a group of people across the road. He watched in amazement as the performer placed a glass cup on the table, covered it with a handkerchief, smashed it with a mallet, and then pulled the cloth away to reveal the glass was still intact. And you said there was no magic in this dimension, he teasingly said to his father. The king of Muni could only roll his eyes at his son's naivety. At last, the royal family arrived at Echo Creek Academy, the school where Comet would be completing his academic requirements. Mars and Lake escorted their son inside the building towards the principal's office. There, they met a Latino couple who were waiting for them with the principal. Ah, right on time. Principal Skeeve stood up from her desk, prompting the couple to stand up, too. Mr. and Mrs. Diaz, meet King Mars Dragonfly, Queen Lake, and their son, Comet. Comet is the boy I told you about yesterday. Wait, you mean to tell me that story my grandpa told me was true? Angelo beamed with excitement as he eagerly shook the king's hand. It's a true honor. To meet you, your majesty. To think that my great-grandfather was friends with the king. Mars was somewhat put off by the human's enthusiasm, but managed to put on a smile. Ahem, yes. King Simon always spoke highly of Carlos Diaz. So naturally, I wouldn't even consider any other host's parents for my son. Rosa happily shook hands with the queen before turning to the prince. Well, we are honored to be hosting royalty. What's your name, amigo? Comet cleared his throat and bowed, respectfully. Prince Comet Galaxius Astro Celestio Cosmo Dragonfly II at your service. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Diaz, for agreeing to let me stay with you while I stay here. My, my! So polite! Rosa remarked. He's also going to need a guide, Lake suggested. Someone to show him around and keep him out of trouble. Oh, our daughter will be happy to take care of that, Angelo insisted. It'll be a good opportunity for both of them. Principal Skeeves grunted in disagreement. Mr. Diaz, you and your wife have been the best host parents of all our previous foreign exchange students. But your daughter has been nothing but trouble these past few years. That's not true, Rosa replied, defending her daughter's name. All right, so Marsh has been dealing with some problems. We were just as disappointed as anyone when we heard what she did to those boys. But you know as well as we do that she's the best student in the school. Yeah, that's right, Angelo added. I mean, heck, the only kid with better grades than her is that Filipino kid, uh, what's his name? Jonah. 
I mean my. Girl's a little rough around the edges, but she's never started any fights. Maybe if your teachers would do their jobs and dash. All right, sweetie, come in. Rosa gently massaged her husband's shoulders to calm him. Maybe this could be a mutually beneficial thing. I mean, this Prince Comet seems like a pretty good kid. Maybe he can keep her out of trouble. Skeeves let out a long sigh before grabbing the microphone on her desk. Marcia Diaz, report to the principal's office, please. She announced. Marcia Diaz to the principal's office. On the other side of the school, every student in Mr. Skolnick's class froze in fear before turning towards the back of the classroom. A fourteen-year-old Latino girl with worn-out sneakers, ripped jeans, a red hoodie, and a leather jacket lazily looked up from her seat. Marcia rolled her eyes as she got up and made her way to the door. Mr. Skolnick wrote out a hall pass for her, but she just ignored him and slammed the door on her way out. As she made her way down the halls of the school, other students made sure to get out of her way, for they knew better than to cross paths with Marcia Diaz. Marcia held a reputation for being the toughest, no-nonsense student in Echo Creek. Two years ago, she had gotten into a fight with a much larger senior student which resulted in her receiving a bloody nose, but knocking the senior unconscious. One month later, the senior returned with three friends to put the girl in her place. Marcia walked away with a broken arm and the four boys went to juvie after six months in the hospital. From that day forward, no one dared to even look at her the wrong way lest they incur her wrath. Even most of the teachers were too afraid to confront her. That wasn't to say that she was a poor student, far from it. Marcia's short temper and fighting spirit were matched only by her sharp wit and high intellect. Many of the teachers who were afraid of her were grateful that they never had to confront her about poor grades. As she arrived at the principal's office, her heart skipped a beat once she heard the sound of a skateboard rolling down the halls. Jackson Lee Thomas had been Marcia's crush ever since they were in kindergarten together, but she never had the courage to tell him that. Unable to face him while she was in trouble, Marcia hid behind one of the lockers until she watched Jackson skate on by. She let out a wistful sigh before shaking her head, disappointed at her cowardice. When she finally entered the principal's office, she immediately noticed the bizarrely dressed trio standing beside her parents. What the hell is this? she asked. Angelo cleared his throat as he gave the introductions. Marcia, sweetie, you remember I told you we were taking in a new foreign exchange student yesterday? Well, this is him. Ahem. Comet put on his best smile and graciously bowed before the girl. Prince Comet Galaxius Astro Celestial Cosmo Dragonfly the second at your service. I'm a magical prince from another dimension. Marcia blinked before turning towards her parents and principal. Is this guy for real? Angelo frowned. Marcia, be nice to our new guest. He's going to be staying with us for a while this time. Maybe even more than just one year. That's right, Ms. Diaz. Principal Skeeves spoke up. And what's more, your parents have convinced me to put you in charge of this boy while he attends this school. They think you'll learn responsibility in the process. Marcia rolled her eyes. Whatever. A few minutes later, 
Angelo had finished loading Comet's bags into the back of his car while the prince gave his final goodbyes to his parents. Lake was particularly upset at having to send her only son away, as evident by how tightly she hugged him. Stay in touch, sweetie pie. She sniffled. Call us every chance you get. I will, mom. I promise. Comet nodded before extending his hand towards the king. Well, uh, goodbye, father. I'll make you proud. Mars smirked as he shook his son's hand and brought him into a hug. I know you will, my boy. Remember, that scepter is the most valuable thing you possess. You have to keep it safe at all costs. Understand? Yes, father. Comet nodded again. With that, the king and queen got back into their carriage and rode off to return to Muni. Comet took a deep breath as he watched his parents fade away in the distance. This would be the first time he'd ever been without them. But he put on a smile as he turned back to his host family. I can't wait to see your home, Mr., Mrs., and Marcia Diaz. I'm sure it's lovely. Rosa beamed as she opened the car door for the prince. Won't it be nice to have Comet's polite and well-mannered attitude in our home, Marcia? Marcia rolled her eyes again. We could have gotten that from a goldfish. Comet gasped and sat next to her in the back seat of the car. I love goldfish. Well, all marine life, actually. Aren't they fascinating? Marcia grew increasingly annoyed with the boy's energetic behavior. Can you take it down a notch, please? She asked. Oh, uh, a thousand pardons, my lady. Comet apologized and buckled his seatbelt. I'm just so excited to be visiting a new dimension for the first time. And I hope that you and I can be good friends while I'm here. Marcia didn't say anything. She just looked out the window and ignored their new guest for the duration of the ride home. Not used to such awkward silence, Comet resorted to chewing on his scepter to occupy his mouth. Thankfully, Marcia's parents soon broke the silence. This will be so much fun, Rosa exclaimed happily. We haven't hosted anyone since that Noceta kid came to us. Ugh, did you have to bring him up, honey? Angelo groaned. Comet was confused. Who's Noceta, Mr. Diaz? Angelo grunted as he explained. Lucio Noceta was a bad seed. He faked some paperwork to make us think he was an exchange student from the Dominican Republic. But the truth was, he was just running away from his family in Connecticut and used the funds from the program to get free room and board. Marcia chuckled. I liked him. He was nice. Soon enough, the car pulled up to the Diaz residence. Comet was more than willing to handle his own bags, but Angelo and Rosa insisted on helping, and even urged Marcia to grab at least one bag. The host family escorted their guest upstairs and showed him to his room. It was a modest 12-foot by 12-foot bedroom with a twin-sized bed, a dresser, and a closet. Comet was slightly disappointed by how bare it was, but smiled nonetheless. I know this isn't much, your highness, but dash. Oh, it's more than enough, Mrs. Diaz. Comet replied happily. Thank you. All right, we'll give you some time to get settled. Angelo offered. Dinner's at six. Comet nodded as the parents left. 
Marcia was about to head over to her own room down the hall, but stopped when she saw the prince taking his scepter out from his belt. She arched an eyebrow as she watched him wave the scepter around like a conductor's baton in front of his luggage. Suddenly, the bags began to unzip themselves and his clothes levitated out and into the dresser drawers. Marcia's jaw went slack at the sight of this. Maybe the whole, magical prince, thing wasn't complete bullshit after all. Later that night, Comet had settled on watching. Unicorns of the Sea, a novel story. Narrated by Dr. January. The prince popped the DVD into the player and watched with interest. Comet's eyes shone brightly as he watched the mini-documentary, entranced by the graceful movements of the narwhals. What a majestic creature, he whispered blissfully. Just then, Marsha walked downstairs and headed towards the kitchen. Comet saw this as an opportunity to bond with his new housemate. Um, good evening, Marsha. Would you like to watch this with Dash? You're not my friend. You're my exchange student. Marcia remarked coldly. Make it past two weeks. I might remember your name. Until then, you're just a chore for me, got it? Oh, uh, okay. Marcia didn't necessarily mean to sound rude, but she was still trying to process the display of magic she had seen earlier. Until the prince dropped the polite prince act and showed what he could really do with that power, she would keep her distance. Over the course of the next week, the rift between Comet and Marcia grew increasingly strained. She kept up her responsibility of showing him around the school and introducing him to all of the teachers, but other than that she rarely spoke to him and remained aloof. But at home, it was a different story. Comet continued to reach out to his housemate, but she always ignored him, refusing to share any of her interests or listen to any of his. Despite this, he noticed that she always seemed to be spying on him in one way or another. One morning, when he just got out of the shower, she barged in and headed over to the sink to brush her teeth. Comet was flustered by her presence and tried to cover himself as he demanded she leave, but she just ignored him and went on brushing her teeth. Comet tried to maintain his dignity as he dressed himself, but he couldn't help but feel like Marsha was spying on him in the mirror. The next day, he was trying to study the great book of magic, but Marcia kept barging in to ask for numerous supplies to borrow, all while glancing over his shoulder to see what he was studying. The day after that, during gym class, the boys and girls were divided up into teams to play dodgeball and Marcia kept singling out Comet to see what kind of reaction he'd give. At last, Thursday night came along and Comet was reading the great book of magic while heading downstairs to grab a snack. He was in the middle of reading his father's chapter, but grew frustrated when he reached a page in which Mars talked about his son's namesake. Apparently, the king had cast a spell that prevented Comet from reading that page, but he wouldn't tell him why. He was so distracted by his reading that he didn't even notice Marcia coming from the opposite direction until they bumped into each other. Comet had dropped the book and his snacks and Marcia just glared at him. As sorry. Comet called out. Better be. Marcia sneered, continuing down the hall. Why don't you watch where you're going? The prince frowned as he picked the great book back up. On second thought, I'm not sorry, and you're a jerk. Marcia stopped and angrily turned around. She cornered the prince and slammed her hand on the wall next to his head. 
Would you care to repeat that? She growled. Comet gulped in fear, but stood his ground. W, what's your problem, you, you ruffian? I've tried to be courteous towards you, and you just keep antagonizing me. Maybe your principal was right about you, Marcia Diaz. You are nothing more than a, a hateful person who likes to cause trouble. Marcia's eyes narrowed at the prince before huffing through her nostrils. You think you know me, little man? You don't know anything about me, Pendejo. You don't know me at all. I never asked you to come live with us. She moved her hand away from the wall and stormed off towards the front door, leaving Comet to silently slide down to the floor and process what had just happened. The prince went back up to his room to continue his studies, but found that he just couldn't focus. After an hour of blankly staring at the pages, Comet got up from his bed, grabbed his scepter, and went over to Marsh's room. As he suspected, she hadn't returned. Comet scanned the room with the scepter for her energy signature, and then followed it like a compass out of the house and towards town. Little did he realize that he was being watched. A frog monster dressed in armor led her allies through a portal and pointed in the prince's direction. Prince Comet is alone. She grinned. We follow him into town and ambush him there. Once again, excellent work, buff frog. Luna rubbed her scaly claws together in anticipation. With such power at my command, the monsters shall rule over Muni with great prejudice and terror. Meanwhile, in downtown Echo Creek, Marcia Diaz exited a convenience store with a smoothie and beef jerky. She decided that she would sneak back into her house after midnight when everyone was asleep to avoid any drama. But just as she finished her snacks, she spotted a familiar boy with heart-shaped marks on his cheeks approaching her. Leave me alone, she grunted. Wait, can I please just say something? Comet begged. Marcia shrugged and sat down on the sidewalk, not saying a word as Comet sat next to her. I, I wanted to apologize for my harsh judgment of you, Comet said meekly. I never asked to come to this dimension, and you never asked to be stuck with me. I'm sorry if my being sent here has inconvenienced you in any way. It's just that, all my life I've had to prove to my father that I'm this perfect prince worthy to carry on thirty-seven generations worth of legacy. One day, I'll be expected to take my father's place at the throne, and when that happens I'll have to look after the scepter and the entire kingdom. I'm not even sure if I can explain it, but there's just so much pressure that comes with my title. There are even times when it feels as if all of these expectations are eating me alive from the inside out. But I, I can't let my father down. So I just tell myself, keep smiling. Keep up appearances. Remember how to behave. It was then that Marcia realized that none of this boy's behavior was an act. She had failed to understand that Comet was brought up to be a prince, and he had no idea how to act otherwise. I thought that coming to this dimension would give me a chance to be myself. Comet went on find my own interests and make some real friends. Not like those bureaucratic brats I'm forced to mingle with. I mean, I was able to get along with Prince Ponyhead for a little while, but he thought I was too boring for wanting to study my family's great book of magic. And I had a girlfriend for a while, but she was only interested in me because of my status. The truth is, 
I've never had a friend before, not really. You wouldn't understand. Actually, I kinda know exactly what you mean, Marsha admitted, scooting closer to him. You see, back when I was a kid, I had to put up with a lot of crap from the other kids. Every day, someone would pick a fight with me and I'd come home with a bunch of bruises. One day, I just kind of snapped. I punched this asshole so hard that I actually ended up knocking him out. I would have gone to jail if my friend Jonah hadn't been a witness. But I knew that the guy wasn't going to let it go, so I started taking self-defense classes behind my mom and dad's backs. Then, when he came back with his friends, I managed to kick all of their asses in front of the whole school. From that day forward I got what I always wanted, to be left alone. But now, the few friends I had won't talk to me, everyone thinks I'm just some aggressive troublemaker, and sometimes, sometimes, it feels like my own parents are afraid of me. Jonah still hangs out with me, sometimes, but I've pretty much ruined any chances of ever making more friends anytime soon. But, at the same time, I like that nobody messes with me anymore, so I just keep up the act that I'm this bad girl on the block while keeping my grades good. But to be honest, I'm actually pretty lonely sometimes. Suddenly, a crossbow bolt struck the cup out of Marsha's hand and embedded itself into the wall behind the duo. Comet jumped to his feet and took the scepter out from his belt. His heart jumped up into his throat as he gazed upon the small armada of monsters gathered before him. Marcia, shocked at seeing such a sight for the first time, stumbled backwards and tried to find her footing. What the hell are those things? She stammered as she threw her hands up in a fighting stance. Oh no! Comet gulped. It's Luna and her cronies. They're after my scepter. Comet Dragonfly! The sinister Kappa cackled. Hand over the scepter, or my men will come over there and take it. Comet did his best to shake off his nerves and aim the scepter at Luna's army. I, I am Prince Comet Dragonfly II, and I demand that you leave this dimension at once. Very well. Luna snapped her fingers. Attack! A bear monster lunged forward at the young prince. But before he could cast a spell in defense, Marcia got in front of him and knocked the attacker unconscious with a single punch to the jaw. As Marcia tried to shake the soreness out of her knuckles, she looked back at Comet. You okay? she asked. Uh, yeah, thanks. Kill them both, Luna ordered. All the other monsters rushed forwards, but none of them were able to lay a hand on either of the two teens. Comet used the scepter as a blunt weapon while Marsha relied on her fists. But as the monsters kept getting up to attack, Marsha realized that they couldn't keep this up forever. How about you use some of that fancy magic, your highness? She suggested as Buff Frog tackled her to the ground. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. Comet chanted to himself. Just gotta, gotta cast a spell. Cast a spell, cast a spell. Any time, your highness. Marcia grumbled as she continued to fight off the monster horde. Fear swelling in his chest, Comet aimed the scepter at Buff Frog and shouted the first thing that came to his mind. Now a blast! 
Buff Frog gasped in shock as a giant narwhal made of pure magic flew from the scepter and blasted her off of Marcia. The blast continued onwards, knocking back all of Luna's compatriots. Taking advantage of this, Comet charged and continued blasting them with the same spell. Narwhal blast! Narwhal blast! Narwhal blast! Luna took out her interdimensional scissors and opened a portal back to Muni. Retreat! Retreat! She ordered. Once the last of her men were on the other side, the rogue monster shot daggers at the prince. This isn't over, dragonfly! I will have that scepter! Once the portal closed, Comet had a chance to catch his breath. He looked down at his family's prized heirloom as the realization that he had successfully protected it hit him. A sensation of pride swelled up in his chest, only to disappear once he felt someone's hand rest on his shoulder. He shrieked in surprise and turned around, aiming the scepter at a startled Marcia. Whoa! Calm down! It's just me, dude! She said calmly. You sure you're okay? Yeah. You, you saved me. Comet smiled. I was wrong about you. You're no ruffian, you're a hero. A fearless, selfless hero. Marcia chuckled as she brushed her hair away from her face. You're not so bad yourself. But, uh... Narwhal Blast? Comet blushed. I don't know. I panicked. Marcia laughed for the first time since Comet had met her. Something about her laugh made him feel better. Hey, Marcia? About all that stuff we said to each other? Yeah? Well, I was just thinking, since we're in the same boat having to pretend to be someone we're not for the sake of appearance as well, how about we just be ourselves with each other? Marcia smiled and shook the prince's hand. Sure thing, your highness. Great! Boy, I'm tired. Comet's energy had finally run out, and he slumped into Marcia's arms. The Latino girl shook her head in amusement as she slung the sleeping prince over her shoulder and carried him back to the house. Angelo and Rosa nervously paced around the kitchen, wondering whether or not they should call the police. Thankfully, Marcia soon kicked the door open and carried Comet inside. Marcia! Angelo rushed towards her and wrapped his arms around her. Where have you two been? Are you all right? What happened to Comet? He'll be all right, Marcia promised. We went out for a walk, started talking, got to know each other. He got a little tuckered out. I'm gonna carry him up to his room. We've got school tomorrow. Do, do you need help? Rosa offered. Marcia waved her off, slightly annoyed. I just carried him five blocks, Mom. I can take him up the stairs. Rosa and Angelo shared a concerned look with each other. They loved their daughter more than anything else in the world and wanted her to be happy. But the fights she had gotten into in the past had put a considerable strain on their relationship with Marcia. But if she was kind enough to carry a sleepy guest back to their house, perhaps things were starting to get better. The couple made their way to their own bedroom when they heard Marcia call out to them from the stairs. Hey, Dad. Angelo turned back towards his daughter. Uh, yes? You're looking a little pale. Marcia remarked in a concerned tone.
Are you feeling all right? Angelo felt his eyes water slightly, but flashed a smile and gave her a thumbs up, nonetheless. Yep, I'm a-okay. The next day, after school, Comet finished his homework and magic studies just in time for dinner. The Diaz parents ordered a pizza, and Comet immediately fell in love with it after taking the first bite. Much to their delight, Marcia leaned over and gave the prince a friendly nudge. Didn't I tell you the best part of Earth was the food? She asked. Mmm. Comet nodded as he took a much larger bite. If you think this is good, wait till you try tacos. Later that night, Comet quietly made his way downstairs to watch one of the movies his mother had suggested to him. He kept the volume high enough to enjoy for himself without waking his host family. However, just as the movie was about to begin, he heard footsteps coming from the stairs. Marcia was dressed in a pair of sweatpants and her hoodie, and her hair was tied up in a bun. Comet watched, intently, as she made her way into the kitchen, put something in the microwave for a few minutes, and walked towards the living room with her culinary creation. She placed a plate of nachos on the coffee table before taking a seat next to the prince. Kicking her feet up, she grabbed a handful of the cheesy chips before offering the plate to her new friend. W what were you doing? He asked cautiously, being myself. She shrugged. With you. So, what are we watching? And thus began a unique and beautiful friendship. Chapter 2. Things Get a Little Weird It wasn't supposed to happen while he was on Earth, but it did. Comet and Marsha's friendship had drastically improved ever since they opened their hearts to each other in front of the convenience store. Over the next three weeks, the duo began sharing their own interests and secrets with each other on a regular basis. He told her about his family history and all the epic quests his ancestors went on and everything they accomplished. In return, she introduced the prince to her only remaining friend Jonah Ordonia to help him become acclimated to Earth culture. The duo offered to take him to a thrift shop to buy more normal-looking clothes, but Comet insisted that his royal uniform suited him just fine. So instead, the trio spent an entire Saturday at Brita's Tacos, the movie theater, and the comic book store. And for a time, everything was perfectly all right. But then, it happened. It all started as a normal day. Comet was cuddling with the scepter in his sleep when the alarm clock next to his bed woke him up. With a yawn and a stretch, he got out of bed, grabbed a towel and a change of clothes for the day, and headed towards the bathroom he and Marcia shared. He was just about to open the door when he heard the distinct noise of running water. Realizing Marcia was already in the shower, the prince propped himself against the wall and politely waited for her to finish. But then, out of the corner of his eye, he spotted something in the magic mirror over his dresser that made him freeze in terror. Resting on his nose was a dark blue heart-shaped blemish. Oh no, oh no, 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 he stammered, dropping everything in his arms to pluck the blemish off of his skin. This is not happening. Not today. Not now. Suddenly, the prince felt a jolt run through his brain, forcing him to his knees. Gripping his head in pain, 
he failed to notice that his heart-shaped cheek marks were now beginning to dimly glow. The pain forced him to momentarily squeeze his eyes shut, and when he opened them again, his pupils had split into five facets. Looking down at his hands, his eyesight was now allowing him to see through his skin and observe his skeleton. His ears perked up at the sound of running water once again, and his gaze shifted up towards the bathroom door. Somehow, he was able to look beyond the door and inside the bathroom. Marsha was in the middle of washing the soap suds out of her long hair, completely unaware of her housemate's gaze. Comet began to drool and licked his lips. It was only when she turned halfway around in the glass shower that the prince slapped himself in the face to bring his vision back to normal. If he was going through what he feared he was going through, he couldn't afford to be thinking of anyone like that. I'm a prince and a gentleman. I'm a prince and a gentleman. I'm a prince and a gentleman. He chanted to himself. Just then, he heard a knock on his bedroom door. Prince Comet? Would you like some cinnamon buns for breakfast? Comet gulped hard. Why, yes, Mr. Diaz. I happen to have a craving for buns this morning. Thank you. One hour later, while the two friends waited outside for the school bus, Marcia failed to notice the prince repeatedly stealing glances at her. Despite having lived with her for over three weeks now, Comet never truly noticed how beautiful Marcia was until this morning. Of course he always considered her attractive, but now he could see exactly how stunning she was. Her smooth caramel skin, her silky shoulder-length hair, her deep chocolatey eyes, and that cute little mole just beneath her right eye were all alluring to him now. At last, the bus arrived and Comet immediately stepped on board and desperately searched for either a seat to himself, or another boy he could sit next to. But alas, there was only one empty seat for two available. What's wrong, your majesty? Marcia sniffed, impatiently. You gonna sit down with me, or what? He <laughs> he, of course. Comet smiled shakily, taking a seat next to Marcia. Who else would I sit next to if not my best friend? Best. I mean best friend. Marcia wiped the prince's spit off of her face. Okay. While the bus drove away, a familiar frog woman lurked out from the bushes to report to her master. It is as you suspected, Queen Luna, Buff Frog reported. The prince has begun his metamorphosis. Excellent, Luna cackled. Now, while he's vulnerable, follow him and get me that scepter. As you command, Buff Frog nodded and ended the call. Although she proceeded to lead the other monsters towards the school, Buff Frog could help but shake the feeling of guilt in attacking an overly vulnerable target, even if they were a mewman. But ever since she lost her older sister, Buff Frog swore she would do whatever was needed to overthrow the Mewman's regime. Throughout the rest of the day, Comet found himself distracted from his studies. All he could focus on were the numerous girls in all of his classes. His eyes scanned the rooms for flowing locks, slender legs, pursed lips, and budding breasts. More heart-shaped blemishes gradually popped up over his face as the day seemed to drag on. By the time lunch came around, the prince's clothes were practically drenched in sweat. Hmm. I don't know what to get. Marcia sighed in discontent as she gazed at the lackluster school food. Both entrees sound so shitty. I could honestly go either way. 
You and me both, Comet muttered. Marsha arched an eyebrow. Okay, what the hell is wrong with you? You've been acting really weird all day. I, I can't tell you. It's embarrassing, Comet murmured. Marsha felt genuinely worried for her friend and pulled him towards a secluded corner of the lunchroom where no one could hear them talk. Before she spoke up, she noticed a collection of small heart-shaped sits on his forehead. She chose to ignore it and move on. Okay, Comet? Remember that talk we had about being honest with each other? Well, it's just you and me now, buddy. So tell me the truth. What's going on? Well, you see, my family goes through a certain process once they earn the right to bear the magic scepter. Comet explained, blushing brightly from the whole ordeal. It's a biological process that changes our bodies so that we can physically handle magic without the scepter once we take up the throne. But... There are side effects to it. The mind becomes clouded and you give in to your base instincts. It is a process known as... Muberty. Oh, is that all? Marcia shrugged. I mean, it's not that big a deal, Comet. Human boys and girls go through something like that. Are really? Comet felt better. So it's happened to you? Yeah. Well, I mean... Marcia's cheeks darkened, slightly. I mean, it works a little differently for girls. But yeah, it's not the end of the world. Well, if you say so. With that, the duo went back into the lunchroom, got their food, and sat down at their usual table. Marcia had finally settled on a hot dog while Comet chose a house salad. Unfortunately, the prince couldn't help but stare at his friend as she took bites of the hot dog. Thankfully, he was brought out of his trance once Jonah sat down next to him. Hello, Prince Comet. Aha! Jonah beamed at the sight of Comet's lunch before revealing his own veggie sandwich. I see I'm not the only fan of leafy greens. Ha ha, yes. Comet timidly stirred the lettuce leaves on his lunch tray. Yes, well, ever since my ex-girlfriend showed me how, I've always loved tossing salad. Well, check this out, your highness. Jonah opened his backpack to reveal his latest haul of comic books. All new issues from Pow Publishing. I've got the newest Silver Spark, Loblo, Laser Blast, Dr. Grayman and Rippy Roo, and P.O.I.N.T. And they all come with new POW cards. For a moment, Comet's excitement at the colorful Earth books was enough to distract him from Muberty. Oh, Silver Spark's power level is 11? That is so cool. If you think that's cool, then you're gonna love this. Jonah held his sandwich in his mouth dumped the rest of his backpack's contents onto the table, and held up a picture he printed out from the original City News website. The picture displayed an athletic man in his late twenties holding an infant in front of the fitness dojo. Just look at this guy. Doesn't he look exactly like Silver Spark? Jonah was known throughout Royal Woods as an avid conspiracy theorist, believing in alien lifeforms, government cover-ups, and so on. Before she introduced them, Marcia told Comet the story of how Jonah spent an entire year investigating four individuals from Beach City, Delaware, because he thought they were solid holograms created by the extraterrestrial gems that made up their bodies. Regardless of his quirks, 
Marcia regarded Jonah as one of her dearest friends after his testimony saved her from going to Juvie for beating up her bullies. I mean, Comet squinted as he compared the newspaper to the comic book. I mean, there does seem to be some similarities, but dash. Similarities? Jonah spluttered. Same hair, same eyes, same skin tone, same smile. How are you not seeing this? Look, last year in POINT issue 244, the team suffered a crisis that resulted in the deaths of Laser Blast and Dr. Gray Man. After that, the original writer retired for undisclosed reasons and the company rebooted the franchise with a new creative team. But the personalities of the characters were so drastically different. So? Marcia shrugged. What do you expect when a different writer tries to handle a character? Yeah, but what if stick with me? Now what if the original writer was actually a low-level psychic who could view alternate realities in his sleep? Jonah continued. I call it Universe CN 50-2017. And in this universe, Silver Spark and the rest of P.O.I.N.T. were real people and the writer romanticized their adventures for his comic books. That is, until the crisis caused it to merge with our universe and now, the survivors have adapted to a new life here. Don't you see? This Carl Kincaid is Silver Spark. Marcia rolled her eyes. Sure, bud, just don't let this control you like the rock people theory. They're not rock people, Jonah snapped. They're polymorphic sentient gems who want to hollow out the earth and expand their race to build an army for the Diamond Authority. And don't fucking judge me for my theories. We are literally sitting next to living proof that the multiverse is real. Are you tweaking again? No. Oh, but that reminds me. Jonah turned back to Comet. Is there any grass on Muni? Uh, asking for a friend. Comet arched an eyebrow at the odd question. Well, of course. There's grass all over any area that's got soil. Jonah shook his head. No, I mean, does your dimension have weed? Absolutely. Comet nodded. I help my mom and dad pull them out of the royal garden every springtime. Marcia rolled her eyes. He's asking if Muni has pot. Again, Comet looked confused. Well, I would assume so. I mean, the chefs there have to cook soup in something. Just then, a slice of pizza flew through the air and smacked Jonah in the back of the head. Brandon Wong and his associates laughed in wicked delight at Jonah's humiliation. Marcia angrily bolted up and began shouting Spanish profanities while Jonah buried his head under his arms. Unknown to Marcia, her increased adrenaline had released pheromones that immediately assaulted Comet's nostrils, awakening something primal. With all of his self-control, the prince moved away from his friends and walked over to confront the bullies. Hey, uh, could you please leave my friends alone? Comet asked in a raspy tone. I'm really not in the mood today. Brandon rolled his eyes. Life's not fair, princey boy. You, the stoner, and the bitch can just dash. The spoiled rich kid was cut off, however, as Comet's face suddenly transformed. For a brief moment, his canines extended into razor-sharp fangs, his eyes turned blood-red, two horn-shaped antennae sprouted from his forehead, and his heart-shaped cheek marks turned into skulls. Brandon and his crew fearfully backed away. Why yeah, man? No problem. 
After the bullies left, Comet's appearance reverted back to normal, but it had taken a lot out of him. I ought to just talk to Madame Indexia about this when I get home. Comet panted tiredly. Of course, if I take too long she'll really lay into me. After lunch, there were only two classes left, biology and gym. All Comet had to do was power through the next two hours, and he could finally consult Indexia on how to handle his metamorphosis. Sadly, fate was proving to be beyond cruel today, as Mr. Skolnick's lesson focused on the reproductive processes of animals. Normally, Comet loved learning about animals, but his raging hormones kept him distracted. Now, once the female reaches a certain age, it seeks out a mate. Mr. Skolnick explained as his students followed along in their textbooks. But she makes them come to her by releasing pheromones that have an almost hypnotic effect on the male. And once she finds one she considers suitable, they, uh, how should I put this? Hook up, Jonah joked, earning a laugh from his classmates. Even Mr. Skolnick was amused. Yes, they hook up with each other. But in the case of snakes, they attract more than one male at a time. When this happens, the males compete for the right to copulate by slithering around the female all at once and press their cloaca against her. Kinky. Elisa Doolittle snickered, earning another laugh. All right, all right, settle down. Mr. Skullnick scolded as he set up the projector and pulled the screen down in front of the chalkboard. Now we're going to watch a little video, but if I hear any more giggling, I'm turning it off and giving extra homework. Once the lights turned off and the video started, Comet's gaze shifted from the video to all of the girls in the class. A sudden heat built up in his chest as his cheek marks began to glow. Why are there so many pretty girls in this school? He thought to himself. The burning rose up from his chest and into his head. Once again, he blinked his eyes and his pupils shifted into separate facets. Only this time, a pair of heat rays shot forth towards the projection screen, setting it ablaze. The students shrieked in panic and tried to get away from the fire. Mr. Skolnick acted quickly and grabbed the fire extinguisher to put out the flames. While the teachers tried to get the students under control, Marcia grabbed the prince and pulled him aside. Curses! Comet groaned as he gazed at the smoldering projection screen. I was hoping I could hold it in until I got home but I seem to have gone off prematurely. Dude, what the hell was that? I'm trying not to let it control me, Marsha. Comet whined. But it's hard. So hard. Even on the bus, this morning. We were only riding for five minutes before I was desperate to get off. You've got to help me. Me? How am I supposed to help you with this? You said you've dealt with something like this. Comet reasoned. He wiped the sweat from his brow, turning his flesh dark blue as he did so. Yeah, but my thing didn't involve shooting lasers out of my eyes. Marshall was legitimately panicking at this point. And what's up with your skin? Comet took out his compact mirror and opened it up to see what she was talking about. Sure enough, his skin was peeling away to reveal a rough, scaly complexion. The prince decided that he couldn't put this off any longer and reached into his coat pocket for the interdimensional scissors and hastily sliced a hole through the fabric of reality, creating a portal between the school and his bedroom. 
he spread the hole open wide enough to reach through. Whoa! Marshall was genuinely impressed by the spectacle. Comet stuck his tongue out as he stretched his arm through the portal and grabbed the great book of magic off of his nightstand. He dropped the heavy book on the floor, snipped the scissors shut, and handed them towards Marsha. Here, hold these, please. Sure thing. Marsha placed the scissors in her back pocket, wondering if they would work for her if she tried to use them. Comet opened the book to his father's chapter, and a familiar blue mage immediately popped out. Madam Indexia, I need your help. It's my day off, your highness. Indexia yawned and tried to close the book back before Marcia forced it back open. Look, lady, she pointed accusingly. I don't know who you are, but we're in a bit of a crisis here. Indexia rolled her eyes. Well, do you have any pudding? What? Marcia asked indignantly. Well, I can't help you on an empty stomach, Indexia explained. And I often do my best work with a belly full of chocolate pudding. Marcia grumbled. No, I do not have any pudding. Will you just help us, please? Madam Indexia, wise and powerful guardian of the great book of magic, I beseech thee, Comet begged desperately. I have already undergone the transformational process of puberty. I need to know how to control it. Indexia sighed and scanned the prince with the gemstone in her forehead. Don't worry, these are just your normal side effects for the transitional phase of puberty," She explained. It'll all be over once Comet either, A. Grows his wings or B. He can experience release. What the hell do you mean release? Marsha asked. Sorry, I've done all I can. The blue mage lazily crawled back into the book. Good luck. Marcia rubbed her eyes in frustration while Comet sent the book back to his room and closed the portal. Just then, the intercom sounded off. Attention, all students, the fire has been contained. Proceed to your final class of the day. Okay, are you gonna be okay? Marcia asked. I, I think so. It's just one more hour, right? All I have to do is wait until we get home, so I can get my wings. The most important thing is to keep me away from girls. Wait a minute. Comet's eyes suddenly widened to reveal heart-shaped irises as a dopey grin and deep blush spread over his face. His grip tightened on the girl's jacket, making her nervous. Marsh is a girl. Smack. A few seconds later, Comet tenderly rubbed at the bright red handprint on his swollen cheek as Marcia angrily glared at him. I said I was sorry, he muttered. What more do you want from me? The two teens made their way into the school's gymnasium. Today was dodgeball day, and the coach always divided the teams between the boys and girls. Marcia hoped that if Comet was on the other end of the gym, away from all the girls, it would help him. Sadly, this was not the case. Getting a full view of all the girls running around in short shorts and sweating only worsened his condition. Eventually, every boy except Jonah and Comet had been eliminated, and Jonah finally grabbed the ball. But they were outnumbered seven to one. Damn! Jonah cursed under his breath. If only someone on this team could handle all those women! 
Something snapped inside Comet's mind as he felt the friction of his blood flow beneath his skin. Everyone on both teams watched in confusion as the prince developed dark blue patches on his skin and four bulges on his torso. Oh! Marcia gulped in anticipation of what would happen next. I, I, I. Comet grit his teeth together as the patches on his skin continued to spread. Suddenly, four more arms burst from his torso, staining his shirt with blood. But the prince wasn't concerned about the pain, only about the girls on the opposing team. I'm going balls deep. Jonah blinked and Comet disappeared, leaving a gust of wind in his place. The student looked down in shock to see that the ball in his hands had been snatched away from him. Comet had taken the dodgeball into his own hands at lightning speed and threw it at Jessica Armberg as hard as he could. Jessica held out her hands to catch the ball, but she was unprepared for the amount of kinetic energy behind it and was sent flying across the floor. Whoa! Comet, calm down! Jonah tried to reason with his friend only to be picked up by three arms and tossed towards the girls. You gonna come at me? Comet roared. Should I come to you? Or how about we all come at the same time? The students screamed in horror and began running around in a panic. Jonah looked up at Marcia in fear. What's going on with Comet? Don't worry, Jonah. I've got this. With that, Marcia picked up a pair of dodgeballs, stomped in front of the raving prince, and squeezed the balls together in a suggestive manner. Hey, big boy! Whatcha think of this? An antenna sprouted from Comet's head as he actually began foaming at the mouth. I like it when you fondle my balls! He proclaimed, throwing his hands in the air. This action gave Marcia the opening she needed. Acting quickly, she took aim and threw her dodgeballs directly at the prince's face. The impact knocked him down to the floor, seemingly ending the threat. But it didn't last long, as a horde of monsters suddenly flooded into the building, frightening the other students away. Our patience has paid off. The prince has been incapacitated. Buff Frog shouted triumphantly. The scepter is ours. A two-headed monster rushed at the prince prepared to claim the scepter for her master. But Marcia stepped in front of them and managed to carry Comet out of the way. Back off, she sneered. Stand aside, human, Buff Frog ordered. Give us the prince and we will not harm you. Now you listen up, you filthy pieces of shit, Marcia pointed accusingly. I, Marcia Diaz, have been labeled as a punk by just about everyone I know. I'm known to never hold anything back when expressing my opinion. I tend to go overboard when I get into fights. There was this one idiot substitute teacher who tried giving me shit, so I put him in his place without much effort, and he hasn't come back to this school since. But even I know true evil when I see it. Evil is when you attack your opponents when they're at their most vulnerable. Which is what you all have done. Prince Comet is my friend and if you wish to see him harmed, you'll have to go through me. If you insist. Marcia bolted for the door, still carrying Comet, with Jonah running close behind. Thankfully, that little bump to the face she had given him with the dodgeballs was having a regressive effect on the prince, as his skin slowly returned to its natural tone. The prince's eyes fluttered open, and he made one of his extra arms disappear. 
pulling yourself together? She asked as she set him down in front of the concession stand bathrooms. Why, yeah. Comet grunted as he forced another arm to retract into his torso. Yeah, I think so. Okay, Jonah, you look after Comet, Marcia ordered. I'm gonna hold those monsters off for as long as I can. No. Marcia, they'll tear you apart, Comet protested, painfully forcing the rest of his extra arms away. Well, you can't handle them when you're like this, Marcia reasoned. Just stay here and get better. Then you can help me. Marcia, wait, Comet called out, but it was no use. Marcia raced off to fight the horde. Ashamed of his inability to help, Comet retreated into the bathroom and locked the door. Comet! Comet, buddy! Don't just leave me out here! Jonah begged, pounding on the door. Come on, man! I can't get eaten before I prove at least one of my theories is true! Oh, God! What the hell is that? A vicious bat monster dive-bombed towards the concession stand with the intentions of eating the frightened boy. Johan dropped to the ground and covered his head with his arms, waiting for the end. But just before it was too late, a fully recovered comet stepped out from the bathroom and blasted the attacking monster away with a narwhal blast. Jonah looked up with a sigh of relief just as he felt his phone vibrating in his pocket. Jonah, is everything okay? Marcia called out. Yeah, he's right here, but dash. I'm going to help Marcia, Comet remarked as he wiped the sweat from his brow. Wait, what? Jonah blinked in confusion. Aren't you still Dash? I don't care what I'm going through, Comet stated with conviction. My father trusted me to protect this scepter from the forces of evil. But as a prince, I cannot stand idly by worrying about my own problems while my friends fight my battles. What happened in that bathroom? Something I should have just taken care of this morning. Comet shouted back and took off towards the football field. Ah, uh, okay. I'll just hold down the fort. Jonah called out and ran back inside the bathroom, only to slip on something. Oh, good lord, it's everywhere. Meanwhile, Comet made it to the field and jumped into the air, aiming his scepter at the monsters surrounding Marcia. She had kept them at bay, but was quickly being overwhelmed by their sheer numbers. A quick narwhal blast gave her breathing room as Comet landed right next to her. Honeybee Tornado Swarm True to its name, a tornado of raging honeybees shot forth from the wand and encircled the trio of monsters. Boof Fly and Snapjaw screamed in agony from the numerous bee stings, however flower power seemed to be in a state of pure euphoria. Jelly Bean Hallucination Beam Comet directed his scepter's next spell at Buff Frog. The frog woman's eyes dilated as visions of delicious multicolored jelly beans assaulted her mind. Oh my goodness! She gasped. With the main threats out of the way, the only monsters left were a bear with a unicorn horn and a biped giraffe. The bear stepped forward and bared her teeth. What's the matter, girlie? She taunted. Need Prince Charming to come to your rescue? Oh yeah, I remember you. Marcia snorted as she pointed at the bear-slash-unicorn hybrid. You were the big, tough, stupid one I knocked out with one punch. You take that back, or I'll kill you! 
Barracorn snarled angrily. All right, fine. You're not tough. Marcia held up her hands, defensively. That's better. Comet scratched his head in confusion. Wait, didn't you dash? Give her a minute. Marcia smirked as she held up a finger at her friend. Hey! Barracorn charged at the Latino girl with her claws extended. You bitch! Marcia pushed Comet out of the way and ran back towards the school gym, leading the pursuing monster up the stairs towards the roof. Meanwhile, Comet extended the handle of his scepter and used it as a weapon against the giraffe monster. His opponent extended his neck out by ten feet and used his head as a warhammer. Her mohawk also hardened, turning into a razor-sharp blade. Comet managed to dodge each blow until her mohawk got close enough to slice his coat and shirt in half. No! My shirt! He shouted before swinging his scepter and smacking the bell of it into the monster's face. Stranger danger! A blinding flash of light shone directly into the giraffe's eyes, forcing him to return his neck to its natural length so he could rub the spots out of his vision. But while the monster was blinded, Comet rammed the other end of his scepter into the monster's stomach. Using leverage to his advantage, Comet launched the monster over the field and into the opposite goal. It's good! He cheered. Meanwhile, Marsha was having fun fighting hand-to-hand with the bear monster. Please don't break my arm, Barracorn whimpered. No. Marsha then proceeded to slam her elbow down, breaking Barracorn's arm in the process. The monster screamed in pain before Marsha performed a roundhouse kick that knocked her off of the roof. That fucking bitch! Barracorn growled and rushed back up the stairs. She thinks she's so tough. I'm a show! Ah, damn it! The bear-unicorn hybrid was once again knocked off of the roof by Marsha's kick. Okay. Go for the left, Bernicorn told herself as she ran back up the stairs. She won't see that coming. Ah, uh, she saw it coming. Again, Marsha kicked the attacking monster off of the roof. Okay, forget going up. She hissed as she headed back inside but stayed at the bottom of the stairs. I'm just gonna wait down here for her and take her by surprise. Hey, how's it going? Marsha asked nonchalantly. Oh, hey. Barracorn nodded pleasantly. I'm just waiting for that dumb human bitch to come downstairs so I can surprise her. Neat. Yeah. She'll never see it calm dash. Barracorn turned back around to see Marsha's smug expression. Oh. This time, Marsha's kick sent the monster crashing through a window. Barracorn wearily held up a hand in submission as the human approached her. Okay, now let's talk about this. I know we both said some things that we regret, but I think if we just talk things out like adults, either of us have to get hurt. What do you say? High five? Marcia held out her arm, palm up. Down low. What? Too slow. Marcia clenched her fist and knocked the monster out with a powerful uppercut. Buff Frog recovered from her hallucination just as she heard police sirens in the distance. Realizing that their plan had failed, the lieutenant ordered an immediate retreat back to Luna's castle. Once their enemies had left, Comet tucked the scepter back into his belt 
and tried to gather up the shredded pieces of his shirt and coat to cover himself. Marcia walked over to lend him a hand when she noticed four tiny flaps protruding from his back. Oh, hey, look at that. Marcia smiled. You've got your wings. I do. Comet began spinning around in circles, trying to get a glimpse of his wings. Let me see. 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 Whoa, easy there, your highness. Marcia chuckled. I am not carrying you back to my house if you get tuckered out again. Comet stopped spinning around and gathered the rest of his shredded clothing before sparing a grateful smile to his friend. Seriously, Marcia, thank you for helping me get through this. Hey, no problem. She shrugged. I mean, you can't help losing control of your raging hormones at this age. Hey, Marcia! A voice cried out. Jackson Lee Thomas was skating towards the duo with a wide smile. Hello, Jackson! Marcia's voice cracked awkwardly. I saw you fighting those monsters. That was wicked cool, dude. Jackson praised. How'd you do all that? Comet watched silently as his best friend's face turned bright red. Oh, well, you know. Marcia shrugged, nervously twirling a lock of her hair with her finger. Anyone with nerves of steel would step up when they needed to. Hey, are you coming to the football game next week? Uh, yeah? I mean, I could come if I had some free time. Cool. I'll be looking for you in the stands when me and the team take the field. Okay. Maisha sheepishly waved as Jackson skated away. Comet gave a knowing smirk at his blushing friend before wiggling his eyebrows. Shut up. Marcia continued to blush, furiously, hiding her face with her hood. Epilogue Two days later, the school had recovered from the monster attack and Comet was getting better at controlling his urges. However, there were still problems that needed to be addressed. Marcia was laying on the couch in the living room, reading a book, when her parents approached her. Um, Marcia? Can we have a word with you? Marcia grunted and lowered her book from her eyes. What, Dad? Well, we spoke to Jonah about what happened the other day, and, um, he said Comet is going through some kind of magic puberty thing. We just want to make sure he hasn't tried anything inappropriate with you, Rosa specified. Marcia stood up from the couch to face her parents. Look, things got a little weird, but it's okay now. All right? Trust me, Comet's not some sex-crazed pervert after my virginity. Just then, the prince walked out of the laundry room, carrying a basket of freshly cleaned footwear. Wow. I never realized I owned so many tube socks. Angelo and Rosa glared at their daughter, who could only give an awkward smile in response. What? Comet asked. Chapter 3. Things Get a Little Wild One week had passed since the Muberty incident, and the school had been repaired. Thankfully, none of the students fully understood what had happened to Comet, and everyone just assumed the monsters were to blame. The only one who knew the truth was Jonah, but he promised to keep their secret. And while the prince was getting better at controlling his urges, Marcia insisted that if he used magic he would have to do it in secret so as not to draw any unwanted attention. Comet agreed, 
but insisted that he continue to practice honing his newfound magical powers. Realizing that such power could help against future monster attacks, Marsha and Jonah agreed to help. That weekend, the trio rode their bikes out of the city and into the desert where they could perform tests uninterrupted. Jonah was particularly excited to study a real-live extraterrestrial and his capabilities. The aspiring scientist brought all of his journals and notebooks, as well as a video camera to record the prince's activities. Marcia, on the other hand, was more concerned for her friend's well-being than scientific discovery or breaking in magical powers. She had brought along a first-aid kit and a fire extinguisher. And as for Comet, he vowed to do what he had always dreamed of doing since he was a child. He was going to fly. Comet stood in the middle of the desert with the scepter tucked away inside his belt. Jonah dutifully manned the video recorder to capture the event, while Marcia stood ready with the fire extinguisher. Comet squatted down into a jumping stance and focused on the four little wings growing out of his back. Using the innate strength he inherited from his mother, the prince leapt thirty feet into the air to give himself a start. He fell back down to earth, but then immediately jumped back up, going even higher this time. This went on for five minutes, with Comet's altitude increasing with every jump. With one final leap, the prince began to flap his wings as he approached one hundred feet in the air. Yes! Ha ha! The prince laughed, cheerfully, as he felt the pleasant tingle of wind brushing against his cheeks. His wings were flapping as hard as he could. Manage, trying to pick up where his jump had left off, and for a moment he felt as if he would be able to touch the setting sun. But it wasn't enough. His velocity died out, and he began to descend back to earth. No, no! No! Instinctively, Comet took the scepter out from his belt and conjured a protective bubble around his body just in time to cushion the impact of his fall. Marsha rushed over to the crater with the fire extinguisher ready while Jonah followed close behind and scribbled notes down in his journal. The bad girl of Echo Creek dropped the extinguisher once she saw that there was no fire and instead grabbed her first aid kit. Comet! She shouted, inspecting the bubble. Are you all right? Are you hurt? Say something! Suddenly, the bubble popped, and a seemingly unharmed prince furiously threw his crown onto the ground. Fiddlesticks! Comet angrily kicked the dirt in frustration. Gosh diddly darn! This really ruffles my feathers! Marcia closed her eyes and took a deep breath. Please, just say fuck, she begged. Comet sneered at her deadpan humor and placed his crown back on his head and began to dust himself off. It's not fair, he whined. I finally got my wings, and they're too weak to let me fly. Jonah curiously inspected one of the prince's wings, continuing to sketch and scribble in his journal. Subject's wings appear to be too small to carry his weight, most likely due to the fact that they are still adolescent. Ho 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 ho! This is gonna be great material for my new manuscript. Marcia glared at her oldest friend. Not the time, Jonah. No, no, it's fine. Comet sighed in disappointment. We've done enough for today. Let's just go home. The sun had fully gone down by the time the trio reached the edge of the desert, and the moon was high in the sky. 
Jonah had the foresight to bring a flashlight to help them get back, safely. However, a low growl rumbled from behind them and the conspiracy theorist slowly tucked the light back into his backpack. Marcia heard the noise, too, and she quietly turned around to see the source. Get down! She hissed and pushed both of the boys under a dead tree before joining them. Comet was about to voice his confusion, only to be muffled by Jonah's hand. He tried to break free, but stopped once he heard a low growl coming from the distance. Jonah removed his hand away from Comet's mouth and covered his own eyes out of fear, as did Marcia. Comet had never seen Marcia so scared. Cautiously, the prince peeked out from behind the tree and saw something that made his blood run cold. Some kind of menacing creature shrouded in darkness was prowling about in search of food. The moonlight reflected off of the beast's eyes, giving them a frightening glow. As it turned towards the dead tree, the prince fearfully hid back behind it, gripped his scepter and prayed to Stump that the beast would just leave. A few agonizing minutes later, Marcia looked back up to see that the beast was gone. What was that? Comet breathed shakily. Marcia wiped the sweat from her brow. La Chupacabra, she answered. La Chupacabra? Jonah brushed himself off and took out one of his many journals and a flashlight from his backpack. Comet and Marcia leaned in closely to get a better view at. The page Jonah was shining his light on. It was a crude sketch of a canine with a fearsome reptilian head. According to legend, La Chupacabra is a vampiric creature that targets livestock, particularly goats. No one's ever gotten a clear view of it, but there are a few who claim to have seen it. It was first spotted in Puerto Rico in 1975, but other sightings have come up in Mexico and the southwest United States. It's what got me into conspiracies in the first place. To tremble in fear in person with the real deal. Okay, take it easy, Ordonia. Marcia yawned and turned to walk back to the city. It's getting late. I say we turn before my mom has a heart attack. Johan shone the light on his watch to check the time and nodded. Yeah, you're right. I gotta get home and help my folks make their brownies. Comet looked down at his scepter as his friends began the trek back to the city. He had fought monsters before, and always did so without fear. But at the sight of that earth creature, something inside of him told him that he wasn't meant to fight it. But he had no idea why. Feeling tired, he tucked the scepter back into his belt and ran to catch up with Marcia and Jonah. Later that night, Marcia had changed into her sweatpants and tank top, tied her hair up into a bun and brushed her teeth to get ready for bed. She was in her room doing squats and push-ups to help her drift off to sleep when she heard a commotion coming from downstairs. Curious, she abandoned her nightly workout regimen and tiptoed downstairs where she found her parents peeking around the doorframe to the kitchen. What are you doing? she asked. Rosa pointed into the kitchen, directing her daughter's attention towards the magic prince sleepwalking towards the refrigerator and began munching on an entire jar of pickles. At first, Marcia didn't understand why Comet's sleepwalking had earned the attention of both of her parents, but the prince suddenly aimed his scepter at the nearest wall and fired a destructive beam of light. Marcia gaped in shock while her parents merely flinched at the sight. Marcia quickly grabbed a glass, filled it with water, 
and splashed it in her friend's face. Wake up! She snapped. Huh? What the dash? Who the dash? What dash? Comet spluttered from the cold shock. What did you do that for? As a matter of fact, what are you even doing in your kitchen? You were sleepwalking again, your highness. Angelo explained. Again? Marcia asked. You mean Comet's done this before? Well, blasting a hole in the wall was new. Rosa spoke up. But yes, your father and I have caught Comet walking in his sleep for the past few days. The prince turned towards the wall he had obliterated and cupped his hands over his mouth in shock. He aimed his scepter at the wall again. Reconstruction repair beam. The bricks, drywall, and paint swirled around the room and reassembled themselves around the hole until it looked good as new. I apologize for the inconvenience, Mr. and Mrs. Diaz. He bowed, respectfully. Angelo gently patted the boy's shoulder. Well, you did fix it. Just go back to bed and we'll see you at breakfast in the morning. A few hours later, Marcia was fast asleep and blissfully dreaming about her future with Jackson Lee Thomas. She was just about to reach the honeymoon part of her fantasy when she was rudely awakened by a soft explosion. Cursing under her breath, she made her way downstairs and saw Comet blasting random parts of the living room with his scepter while still asleep. Marcia rushed over to him and slapped him awake. Once again, Comet cast a spell to repair all the damage he'd done in his sleep before heading back to his room. Dude, what's going on with you? I don't know, Comet groaned. It could be a side effect of my muberty phase. Marcia considered their options. Hmm, didn't you say everyone in your family goes through this? Why don't you call your dad, tell him what's going on, and ask him for help? No, Comet protested fearfully. If my dad finds out what I did while I was going through Muberty, he'll kill me. Then he'll turn me into a zombie and send me to St. Olaf's school for wayward princes. Then after they're done torturing me, they'll send me back to my dad so he can kill me again. Marcia rolled her eyes. Comet, I highly doubt your dad will turn you into a zombie. He could if he wanted to. The prince opened up the great book to the first chapter and pointed to one of Skywind's spells. See? Marcia squinted as she tried to read the King of Hours calligraphy. I'll be damned. She huffed, slightly disturbed. Okay, then, just don't tell him about what you did while going through Muberty. Just tell him you started, and you have a few questions. You, you want me to lie? Comet paled at the thought. Marcia shrugged. Yeah. I mean, it's not that hard. People lie all the time. Oh, your baby is so cute. No, that dress doesn't make you look fat. I love the... Sweater you got me for Christmas. I can't wait to read your manuscript, Jonah. Comet shook his head. No, you don't understand. I've never lied to my dad before. I've never lied to anyone before. Marcia pinched the bridge of her nose in frustration. Of all the foreign exchange students in the world, I get stuck with Mr. Rogers Jr., she muttered, exasperated. Okay, uh, don't think of it as lying. Just think of it as, okay, you'll just tell your dad that you're going through Muberty. That's true. That it got a little scary for you. 
that's true. That you found a way to manage it, that's true. And that you have questions, that's true. See? It's not really lying, it's just leaving out the parts that would make your parents freak out. Comprend? Comet rubbed his chin as he considered Marsh's words. The prince cracked his knuckles in preparation for the upcoming call with his father. He led Marsha back up to his bedroom and stood in front of the magic vanity mirror hanging on his wall. Mirror, mirror on the wall, called Dad. Comet paled as he saw the name he had accidentally pressed on his magic mirror. Calling Tiffany. No. No, 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 no. Comet groaned. I didn't mean to do that. I did not mean to call Dash. Comet? Snookums, is that you? An image of a three-eyed, horned demon princess appeared in the mirror. She rapidly clapped her hands, delighted to see the prince. Oh, baby, I knew you still liked me, Dash. No, Comet pointed, sternly. No, no. I meant to call my dad. This was an accident. Oh, come on, sweetheart, Tiffany begged. We had our problems, but we can work it out, Dash. No, you're not getting back in my head, Comet decided. Goodbye. Don't hang up. Comet pressed the red X on his mirror, ending the call. The prince tiredly rubbed a hand over his face as he called the proper number. I've got to delete her from my contacts. Ex-girlfriend? Marsha asked. Something like that, Comet sighed. At last, the mirror displayed an image of Mars the undaunted. The king had fallen asleep at his desk after another grueling day of paperwork. Comet turned to Marcia who just shrugged. He turned back to the mirror and cupped his hands around his mouth. Hey, Dad, are you awake? He whispered. Mars didn't respond so the prince raised his voice. Hey, Dad, are you awake? The king shifted slightly, but still didn't look up. Comet's brow furrowed. Hey, Dad! Are you awake? Mars woke up with a start and fell backwards from his desk. Comet winced as his father pulled himself back up to his feet to face the mirror. Hey, hey, Dad. Are you awake? I'm awake now. Mars groaned tiredly. Why are you calling me at this unstumply hour? What do you want? Comet cleared his throat as Marcia gave him an encouraging thumbs up. Well, you see, something came up the other day, and I was hoping you could give me some advice. Well, I'm listening. The king sighed and rested his chin on his fist. Okay, so, I was at school and I noticed Dash. Move it or lose it, dragonfly. Mars was suddenly pushed out of the way and Comet got a clear view of his mother. There's my little shooting star. Are you eating enough? Are the humans treating you okay? Do you have a girlfriend yet and is she coming over from Independence Day? Oh. Hey, Mom. Comet waved, awkwardly. Yeah, I'm having fun here, but I really need to talk to Dad right now. What could be so important that you can't talk to your own mother? The Queen scolded. W.L., it's just that I'm going through Muberty now, and Dash. Muberty? Lake squealed with joy and helped her husband back up. Mars! Our little boy is becoming a man! Lake, don't embarrass the boy. 
Mars insisted as he sat back down at the desk. But that is good news, son. How was your first experience with channeling magic without the scepter? Um, it was certainly something. Comet nervously stammered. But, uh, I was hoping you could explain a few things for me. Certainly, now that you're going through Muberty, your body is beginning to learn how to naturally tap into magic. To demonstrate his statement, Mars activated his own matured Muberty form. The king's cheek marks shone brightly. His skin had changed into a radiant turquoise, for more arms sprouted from his torso, dragonfly wings grew from his back, and his eyes sprouted thirty thousand hexagonal facets. Whoa! Comet beamed in awe. No matter how many times he saw it happen, he was amazed by his father's transformation. Even Marsha was impressed. Your body will become saturated in magical energy, strengthening your muscles, your skin, your senses. You will grow stronger with every passing day. The only way to know how strong is to keep testing your limits. Ah, uh, thanks, Dad. Comet nodded. But I actually wanted to ask, when you went through Muberty, did you ever sleepwalk and cast spells at random? Mars arched an eyebrow and reverted back to his natural form. Ah, uh, no. Have you been doing that? Maybe. Comet tugged at the collar of his pajamas and all of his courage immediately disappeared. Anyway, thanks for answering my questions. Sorry for waking you up. Good to see you too, Mom. I love you both. Bye. Before either the king or queen could respond, Comet ended the call and unplugged his mirror. The prince sat down on his bed and buried his face in his hands, ashamed of himself for keeping secrets from his parents. Meanwhile, Marcia was thinking about what the king had said. If Comet's sleep spelling didn't have anything to do with Muberty, then there was a possibility that it was a psychological problem. An excited smile spread over her lips. What is wrong with me? Comet cried softly. Am I broken? Maybe I'm not meant to be a prince. Comet, you're gonna be fine. Marcia promised as she sat down next to him. Because I can help you. Comet looked surprised. You can? How? Marcia grabbed her friend's hand and gently led him into her bedroom. She sat him down on her bed and went over to her closet to pull out a stack of books. So, the reason I keep my grades up despite wanting to look like a bad girl is because I've always wanted to go to college and become a psychotherapist. A psychotherapist? Comet rubbed his chin. What is that? It's a person who studies the mind and behavior to help others with mental health. Marsha explained. And I've been teaching myself for years. In other words, Prince Comet Dragonfly too. I can fix your brain. Oh. Comet nodded in understanding. Yeah, we have something like that on Muni. Comet thought back to the days of his youth when he watched a man with clinical insanity be launched into the side of a mountain with a catapult. Yay, no. Marcia shook her head as she slipped a sweater vest over her tank top and put on a pair of glasses. After releasing her hair from its bun and pushing the chair from her desk over to the bed, she sat down and took out a notepad and pen. Okay, your royalness, say hello to Dr. Marcia Diaz. Ph.D. What does Ph.D. stand for? Comet asked. 
Before Marcia could reply, Angelo walked by the door with a teasing grin. Pretty hot, darling. Dad! Marcia blushed angrily. Go back to bed. So how do we do this? It's easy. Marcia shrugged as she opened one of her textbooks. According to my studies, sleepwalking is caused by stress. So I'll put you through a series of psychological tests and then use the information I gather from the results to try and solve your problem. Comet clapped excitedly. Oh, good. I'm great at tests. We'll see. Marcia smiled and began making notes. Subject is a 14-year-old magic prince from another dimension. He has already revealed to me that he feels pressure from his upcoming responsibilities and has been unable to make friends. Let's get started. Test number one, role play. For this test, I want to see how you perceive the people who know you. Marcia explained. So I want you to impersonate someone close to you. Comet rubbed his chin before an idea crept into his mind. He ran over to Marcia's closet and shut the door behind him. Marcia was confused until the prince kicked the door open, revealing that he had dressed himself in her clothes. Que pasa? I'm Marcia. My leather jacket looks so cool worn over this red hoodie. I've got parents who love and support me unconditionally, no matter how much of a jerk I act towards them. Ooh, here comes Jackson Lee Thomas. I'm gonna impress him by acting all cool and aloof. I got this sexy little mo. Marcia glared at her friend. I don't know what pisses me off more. That you took that way too literally, or that my skinny jeans look way better on you. Comet smiled and struck another pose for her. Test number two, art therapy. Okay, let's try this. Marcia set up a canvas with multiple tubes of paint and paintbrushes. Everyone knows that art is the truest expression of oneself. Comet, I want you to take the next twenty minutes painting whatever comes to your mind. Comet looked down at the canvas. Uh, I'm... I'm not really the best artist, Marcia. You don't have to be, Marcia promised. This is just to get an idea of what's on your mind. Paint whatever you want. She set a timer for twenty minutes and went downstairs to the kitchen to get a midnight snack. Once she left, Comet took a deep breath and began stroking the pastels against the canvas. While Marcia was in the kitchen, she grabbed a bag of tortilla chips and some cheese to make nachos. She had just placed the plate in the microwave when her ears perked up to a low growling noise coming from behind her. She turned around but saw no immediate threat. The microwave went off as the nachos were finished, so she dismissed the noise and made her way back upstairs. So, how are you doing? she asked. Just one last stroke and done. Comet set the paintbrush down and stepped back from the canvas. The prince beamed as he waited to hear his friend's feedback. The painting depicted Comet and Marcia fighting Luna and Buff Frog, while a crowd of people ran away. Comet was dressed in a suit of armor while Marcia appeared to be wearing a pair of red boxing gloves, a black leotard, and boots. A tower in the background had two stick figures at the top. Luna and Buff Frog were carrying laser guns, and an angry unicorn was charging out of Comet's scepter. Hmm, interesting, Marcia mused thoughtfully. 
It looks like you drew us fighting Luna and Buff Frog in front of a crowd. Why? Well, to be honest, I always thought it was so fun to fight alongside you, Marsha. Comet blushed lightly. Fighting monsters side by side with my best friend is way more fun than sitting on a throne and making dumb laws. And I gave you boxing gloves to protect your hands. Hmm, okay. And what's with the tower? Oh, that's so my parents can see us. Comet went on. They're going to see how capable I am of protecting the kingdom and scepter. Okay, and let's focus on your drawing of you in particular. Marsha adjusted her glasses as she got a closer look. It looks like you're wearing something that's not your usual attire. Oh, that's the suit of armor my father wore when he went to war against the monsters. Comet explained, smiling. It's always been a dream of mine to get tailored for a suit of my own so that I can go around protecting the innocent from evildoers like all the noble knights and the stories my mother told me as a child. Hmm, interesting. Marcia scribbled something on her notepad. So your main focus is protecting others, not fighting monsters? Well, yeah. Comet shrugged. I mean, what else would I use all that power for? And why did you paint me with green hair? Oh, Jonah told me you died at green one time, and I just wanted to see what that would look like for myself. Comet explained. I'm gonna kill him. Marcia promised herself. Test number three, ink blots. Marcia sat down in front of her friend with a stack of ten by ten pieces of paper resting in her lap. Okay, I'll show you a series of ink blots and you tell me what you see. Here's the first one. She held it up and Comet stared at it. Hmm, an ink blot. I win. He cheered. Marcia face bombed. No, I mean, what does it remind you of? Oh, right. Comet took another look. Hmm, it looks like. Indexia hovering over the great book of magic. Okay, yes. Like that. Marcia set the ink blot aside and lifted the next one. How about this? Hmm, oh. That looks like a creepy little alien in a gnome cap. Comet thought out loud. Maybe I'm sleep-spelling because I'm being controlled by a creepy little alien in a gnome cap. Ah, uh, no. Okay, now what does this dash? Marcia groaned as she saw that the next ink blot was just a single dot in the center of the paper. Hang on, this one's a mistake dash. Comet gasped in shock and his pupils shrank. That reminds me of my crippling need to appease my father by acting as the perfect heir to the throne no matter how I truly feel about taking on the responsibilities of being a king for the rest of my life. Marcia gawked as her brain tried to process the prince's words. Suddenly, the results of her tests and the prince's earlier outburst in the desert began to make sense. I think we found the root of your problem. She smiled and set down the ink blots. You have father issues. W-O-H-O. Comet pumped his fists. I have father issues. Marcia shook her head. And no, that's bad. Ah. Uh, Comet frowned sadly. I have father issues. Hey, cheer up. Marcia lightly punched her friend's shoulder. Don't worry, your highness, this means we're making progress. Identifying the problem is the first step towards recovery. Recovery, Comet whispered happily. Analysis. 
A few minutes later Comet was laying down on the bed while Marcia sat next to him and took notes while he opened his heart to her. He told her about his earliest memory of his father, how a question about his grandfather made the king cry. From that day forward Comet hated himself for upsetting his own father in such a manner, so he dedicated his life to being the perfect prince and taking up the throne to be a good ruler. But no matter how hard he studied and how well he behaved, his father had barely spent any time with him growing up. Then he revealed that sometimes he felt as if he didn't even want to become a king when he grew up, and would rather spend his adult years using his magic to help people directly. Okay, it's all very clear to me, Marcia concluded. What? You need to talk to your father and tell him how you feel. What? Comet fell off of the bed in shock and bolted upwards. I can't tell him that. What will he think if he finds out his only son doesn't want to do the one thing he was born to do? Comet, if your issues with your father are what's causing your sleep spelling, you have to resolve it. Marcia reasoned. Besides, you can't keep breaking and rebuilding my house. First you tell me to lie to him, now you want me to tell him the truth? Comet huffed. You're like a roller coaster of hypocrisy. Hey, you're the one who keeps blowing up my house. Marcia snapped. I'm trying to help you. Well, you're not. Comet slammed his fist towards the wall, but hit something softer instead. Oh. Comet and Marcia stared in confusion at the area he had struck. Uh, did the wall just say ow? Marcia asked. Suddenly, a hideous goblin materialized out of thin air startling the two friends into jumping backwards. He was a scaly goblin dressed in a regal suit with a silver crown resting on his head. Damn it! My plan is foiled! He cursed. Ah, uh, who are you? Who am I? What are you, retarded? The goblin sneered. I'm Prince Smush of the Goblins, and you've nearly killed me like fifty times this past week. Well, what are you even doing here? Comet spluttered indignantly. I don't even know you. Fine, I'll tell you my ingenious plan. Prince Smush cackled with glee. I struck a deal with Luna and her monster army. I would use my camouflage powers to sneak into your house and kidnap you. But every time I got close. Enough while you were sleeping, you'd grab that damn scepter and shoot at me. Oh. Marcia scratched her cheek. So you weren't sleep-spelling because of psychological problems. Your body was just reacting to an invisible threat. Yeah, that makes sense. Comet nodded. But why? Why would you make a deal with Luna? What do you get out of it? Well, you see. I was sent by my asshole parents to St. Olaf's Academy for Wayward Princes. Smush explained, enjoying the frightened expression on Comet's face but I finally managed to escape. And when I met Luna, we made a deal. I'd kidnap you, bring you back to her, give her the scepter, and then I would cut off your face, then cut off my face, swap our faces, and then you'd take my place at that miserable hellhole while I get to kick back and relax on Earth for the rest of my life. Comet and Marcia shared a glance. Then they both laughed. That is the stupidest plan I've ever heard. Marcia wheezed. Yeah, Comet giggled. 
I mean, what kind of idiot would believe you were me just because you're wearing my face? Hey, fuck you. It's a good plan. Smush growled. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Because Luna's army is right outside. And now that I've tired you out, it will be child's play to deliver you to Luna. It wasn't. Ten minutes later, Comet and Marcia had defeated Smush and Buff Frog's small battalion and were now sitting on the roof to enjoy the night sky. Marcia sighed and looked down at her lap. I'm sorry, Comet. Comet was confused. For what? Well, I just... I know we said we could be honest with each other, but... I don't want to be seen as the bad girl for the rest of my life. And I use you as a guinea pig to practice my psychotherapy skills. And then I tried to push you into something you're not ready for. So, yeah? I'm sorry. Comet playfully removed the glasses from Marsha's face and placed them over his own eyes, mimicking her voice as he spoke. Subject is a 14-year-old safe girl who pretends to be a bad girl for the sake of reputation and fear of vulnerability. However, her behavior shows that even though she makes mistakes, she is still the best friend anyone could ask for who can kick Fanny as best as the rest of them. Marcia snatched her glasses back from him, but smiled regardless. You know, I still think you should tell your dad how you really feel, she remarked. But this time, I'll let you wait until you decide you're ready. Comet watched his friend re-enter the house through her bedroom window and looked back up at the stars, contemplating her advice. Epilogue Back on Muni Luna and her minions had returned Prince Smush to St. Olaf's before heading back to their castle to lick their wounds. I think we almost won this time. Buff Frog wheezed in pain, trying to keep up morale. Good effort, everyone. Ah, uh, shut up, Buff Frog! Battling Ram gripped as he placed a solid block of ice on his crotch. That punching girl planted her foot right on my balls and did a fucking pirouette. I can still feel them unwinding. While the monsters disappeared into the forest of certain death, Prince Smush was roughly escorted into the dismal boarding school. Despite his desperate cries for help and the fact that none of their bedroom doors were locked none of the other princes dared to leave for fear of punishment. At last, the guards brought him into Headmaster Atrocious private quarters and strapped his wrists, ankles, and head to a reinforced steel chair. The guards left Smush alone in darkness, locking the door behind them. Prince Smush struggled with all of his strength, trying in vain to break free from his restraints. However, he froze in fear as a pair of eyes emerged from the shadows, glowing with a sickly green aura. Congratulations, Prince Smush. Headmaster Atrocious smirked wickedly. You are the first student to escape the school. And you will also be the last. Headmaster Atrocious' past was shrouded in mystery but he held a haunting reputation of running St. Olaf's since Festivio the Fun held the scepter. No one knew how he would have been able to live for so long, but no one dared to question it. The only ones who knew that he sustained himself by draining the life force from the worst princes attending his school never lived long enough to tell anyone. I could have forgiven you for trying to escape. I could have even forgiven you for trying to trick me by sending another prince in your place. But when you insulted my mentor's legacy, well, that just made me angry. 
the headmaster growled as he closed in on his latest victim. People piss themselves when I'm angry. As the other princes tried to fall asleep, the halls of St. Olaf's were filled with the horrified screams of Smush. Chapter 4 Freeze Day Everyone oversleeps from time to time, often at the most inconvenient of times. Marcia Diaz was no exception. After their misadventure with Comet's sleep spelling, the duo were so exhausted that they both turned off their alarms for the entire weekend and forgot to turn them back on on Sunday night. It wasn't until Angelo called from the kitchen offering pancakes that Marcia bolted up from her bed. Much to her horror, she only had fifteen minutes to get to school on time. She quickly got out of bed and rushed to her dresser to get ready, foregoing any thoughts of taking a shower. In her haste, she accidentally put her hoodie on backwards and ran into Comet's room. Come on, Comet, we're La W. Choi! She covered her eyes once she saw that her friend wasn't wearing any pants. Comet had his dress pants on an ironing board, frantically trying to get rid of wrinkles. Marcia! He gasped, covering himself. What are you doing? Look, I'm sorry, but we have to go now. Marcia shouted, keeping her eyes covered. Last call for pancakes, kids! Angelo called. Not now, Dad! Come on, Comet! We're gonna be late! Normally, I would applaud your desire to arrive at school on time, Marcia. Comet replied while he continued ironing his pants. But a prince cannot go anywhere with tarnished clothing. Marcia looked down at her watch. They only had five minutes left. Comet, I'm begging you. I have to get to school on time. What's the big deal? Comet shrugged. Our first period is homeroom. We can afford to miss that, can't we? You don't understand. Every day before classes, I hang out by the lockers until Jackson Lee Thomas skates by. Marcia cupped her hands over her heart as a wistful sigh slipped through her lips. And every time he does, I nod at him so that he doesn't think I don't like him. He's never looked at me the same way since I beat up those shitheads, and I've always been too afraid to talk to him. But when I get to see him, it's always special. Comet's heart sank. Even after their pact to be honest with each other, Marcia had never openly talked about her feelings for Jackson. Comet had met Jackson only a handful of times since he had arrived in Echo Creek but he could easily understand why Marcia was so fond of him. Jackson Lee Thomas was captain of the football team, a straight-A student, and one of the more kind-hearted individuals the prince had ever had the pleasure to meet. He turned off the hot iron and set it aside to put on his pants. He summoned the scepter to his hand and checked his watch. I'm sorry, Marcia, but even if we leave now, I doubt we'll make it to school in time. Hey, wait a minute. Marcia got an idea as she glanced at the scepter. So far, I've seen you use magic to fly, fight, and conjure shit. Do you think you could use your magic to stop time until I get to my locker? Comet frowned, offended by her ignorance. Marcia, how do you think my magic works? Spells have to be expertly crafted and practiced in order to function properly. I mean... It's not like I can just tap my scepter on the ground and say something like easy-peasy time freezy. The prince mockingly tapped his scepter on the floor to prove his point. However, much to his surprise, a bright blue charge built up inside the scepter, 
only to briefly take the form of a clock grinding to a halt as a low ticking noise echoed around the room. He and Marcia ran towards the window and watched. The cars and pedestrians slowing down until they all stopped entirely, and the ticking ended. Huh? I guess the joke's on me. The prince chuckled. It looks like we'll be able to get to school on time after all. Marcia picked up Comet in a grateful hug. Thank you, Comet. You're a lifesaver. The duo made their way downstairs and saw Angelo frozen in place while in the middle of flipping a pancake. Rosa was also frozen, as was the orange juice being poured halfway into her glass. Marcia waved one hand in front of her father's eyes and snapped her fingers in front of her mother's. An idea crept into the girl's mind. All right, well, if you'll just fix your hoodie, we'll be on our way to school, Comet suggested as he grabbed his lunchbox from the kitchen counter. Hang on. Marcia grinned and held her arm in front of the prince. So, time is completely frozen right now, right? Yes. Comet nodded. And it's not just in Echo Creek, but everywhere? It is. For how long? Um, for as long as we want, I think. Well then, why don't we make the most of this and have a little fun? Marcia shrugged off her jacket and fixed her hoodie. Comet was a little apprehensive. I don't know, maybe we should just head to school. Oh, come on. Don't be such a wet blanket. Marcia snarked as she put her jacket back on. If time is stopped, then no one can know what we do. And it's not playing hooky if we get to school right before you restart time. So don't worry so much for once. Be cool. Comet crossed his arms. I am cool, he insisted. All right then, I'm gonna make some coffee. Marcia opened the fridge. Do you want some milk? Coffee's fine, he replied, much to Marcia's doubt. The prince leaned against the wall and used finger guns to try and look cool. Hey, I drink it. I'm cool. I dunno, man. This is espresso, Marcia warned. It's like uber coffee. Hey, I said. I'm cool. Marcia shrugged and prepared two cups as the coffee brewed. A few minutes later, Marcia watched with amusement as her best friend frantically paced around the kitchen, talking as fast as he could, after only one cup of espresso. So then my parents made me join a bureaucratic prince club because I wasn't fitting in. But now I'm even more not fitting in because I was getting good grades. I mean, like all A's. So I asked to be privately tutored, but my mom says you need stimulation. And I was all, no, I don't need stimulation. I'm stimulated enough right now. You got that right? Marcia giggled, enjoying the show. So then my dad was all, ah, uh, you need a challenge. So now I am challenged. I'm challenged to not come home with wedgies and dirty clothes. Because every other prince in the land of Muni wants to beat up the one nerd prince who thinks he's smarter than them. But I don't think I'm smarter than them. I just do the stupid homework. If everyone else just did the stupid homework they could get better grades and get pounded, too. Is Theria Nimmer coffee? Marcia took the cup away from the prince and stretched her arms above her head. All right, let's burn off some of that energy. And that's just what they did. The first thing they did was go downtown, 
giggling like children as they repositioned the frozen pedestrians into Hansons, picking their noses, doing the splits, and kissing each other. To top it all off, Marcia drew a mustache on a baby's face, prompting Comet to use the scepter to draw mustaches on everyone else in the park. Marcia burst out laughing and Comet followed suit. Their laughter came to an end, however, when they noticed a car crash across the street. A tire blowout had sent a driver into a lamppost that sent him crashing through the windshield and shards of metal and glass towards a mother and her baby. Marcia moved the mother and her baby out of the way while Comet gently moved the driver of the wrecked car out of the air and safely onto the sidewalk. Next, they traveled to the mall and gathered up all the free samples for lunch. Then, they broke into the shops to try on different outfits. Because no one would ever know that they wore them, Marsha was able to convince Comet to try on casual outfits. He agreed, but only under the condition that Marsha would try on something more formal. She eventually settled on a bright purple bustle dress with violet frills and shoulder puffs, a big purple bow that tied her hair into a ponytail, and black high heels. As for Comet, he wore a red baseball cap with devil horns, a green tank top with red, pink, orange, and purple horizontal stripes in the front, see green sweatpants with pale green stripes on the legs, pink high-tops with white bunny faces on the toes, and a silver bracelet with spikes. The duo examined each other and laughed at how ridiculous they both looked. After they changed back into their normal clothes, they spotted a gang of robbers assaulting the jewelry store. Once again, they took advantage of frozen time to take the weapons away from the robbers, tie them up, push a police officer in front of them, and give them all wedgies just for fun. After that, they played hopscotch on the tops of cars on the frozen freeway where they spotted Luna stepping out of a portal, but she was frozen as well. The prince and his friend shared a mischievous grin as they took off the monster's crown, replaced it with a dunce cap, taped a kick-me, signed to her back, and kicked her back into the portal before Comet sealed it up with his own interdimensional scissors. Once that was over, they went back home for more rest. Eventually, they decided that they'd had their fun and made it to the school. Oh man, that was the best 60 hours of my life, Marcia cheered. I have to admit, it was pretty exciting. I can't wait to tell my dad that I successfully froze time, Comet agreed before he spotted a familiar friend suspended in a frozen kickflip. Hey, look! There's Jackson Lee Thomas, right on time. Marcia hastily brushed herself off and leaned against her locker. Okay. I'm ready. Go ahead and restart time. Comet was about to comply, but paused as he looked back at Jackson. Hmm. You know, maybe it's time for you to do something other than just nodding to Jackson. He suggested. You should ask him out. What? Yeah. You want to practice? We do have all the time in the world. I'll be Jackson and you be you. No. No, 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 no. Marcia shook her head. That's not going to happen. Comet arched an eyebrow. You want to be Jackson? No, I've got a system. It's worked just fine so far. Marcia insisted. Just restart time. Well, all right then. Comet cleared his throat and held the scepter aloft. Easy peasy time unfreezy. 
The prince tapped the scepter back on the ground to restart the flow of time. But as he and Marcia looked around, they saw everyone and everything was still frozen in place. Comet looked down at the crystal in his scepter. Huh. Maybe I didn't say it right. Let me try again. Ahem. Easy peasy time unfreezy. But still, nothing happened. Beads of sweat began rolling down Marcia's face as she nervously looked around. Ah, uh, Comet! She turned towards the prince and shrieked in fear to see him frozen as well. H! Comet! Ha ha! Just kidding! Comet laughed before putting on a serious face. But we really should try to fix this. To the great book of magic! The two friends rushed out of the school and spotted Jonah riding in on his bicycle. Marcia gently lifted him off and set him aside while Comet sat on the handlebars. Sorry, buddy! Emergency! Marcia shouted as she pedaled towards her house. When they finally arrived, Comet bolted upstairs to his room. Marcia sat down on the couch, waiting for her friend to return. As she waited, she nervously tapped her foot against the ground thinking that if she hadn't insisted Comet do this it wouldn't be happening. She was brought out of her thoughts when Comet stomped down the stairs and slammed the great book on the coffee table in front of her. Look! I was right! Comet excitedly pointed to a page in the great book. See? It says here, Skywind once accidentally cast the exact same spell when he was around my age. Really? Marcia looked over her friend's shoulder to get a better view of the page. Well, does it say how he fixed it? Let's see. Comet skimmed his fingers over the page as he read out loud. Do, 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 do. The problem is unfreezing time. You would think that you can tap your scepter on the ground and say easy peasy time unfreezy, but you cannot. It does nothing. Don't even try. Pfft, now he tells me. Ahem, to move time forward, you must physically travel to the planes of time and appeal to Mother Time. Mother Time? Marcia leaned over to get a better look. You mean Father Time? No, it says Mother Time. Comet repeated. I think I read about her when I was younger. She's an immortal being from a space between spaces charged with maintaining the flow of time in the entire multiverse. All we have to do is travel to the planes of time and convince her to restart the time in our dimension. All right then, let's get going. Marcia nodded. Comet took out his interdimensional scissors and sliced open a portal to the planes of time. Once they arrived, the duo basked in the glorious landscape. The ground was composed of the softest sand either of them had ever felt. The clouds in the sky looked more like tiny nebulae, and instead of a moon or sun, an enormous clock orbited the planet. Across a glowing river, there was an ivory castle with a gilded clock tower in the center. Comet took in a deep breath through his nostrils as he happily surveyed the area. Beautiful, isn't it? Until today, I've only ever read stories about this place. But to see it in person is... Marcia? Comet turned around once he realized how quiet his friend was being. Marcia was gripping her throat and gagging in pain as she fell to her knees. It wasn't until her face turned blue that Comet understood what was happening and hastily formed an oxygen-rich safety aura around her. Oh my gosh! I am so sorry, Marcia! Ever since I went through Muberty, I haven't really needed to breathe.
I guess it kind of slipped my mind. Marcia took a few minutes to catch her breath. It's, it's okay, Comet. Let's just find this mother time and get out of here. The prince nodded in agreement, and they set off towards the castle. In order to travel to the castle, the friends needed to cross the glowing river by tiptoeing over a path of rocks like stepping stones. As they reached the halfway point, Comet slipped and nearly fell in. Acting quickly, Marsha managed to grab him just before his nose could break the water. Comet was now face to face with an image of a much older version of himself. Marsha managed to pull him back up and they hurried across to the other side. The pair stopped for a moment to catch their breath before moving on to the castle. It took all of their strength, but they managed to open the large door at the front of the castle. Once inside, they saw that every wall was lined with thousands of clocks of different designs and sizes. However, the faces of each clock acted as a looking glass to each of the countless dimensions throughout the multiverse, with the gears inside acting as a means to keep the timeline of each universe moving forward. As they turned a corner, Marcia spotted a clock whose arms weren't moving. She pulled Comet aside and drew his attention to it. As she suspected, they saw an image of a frozen echo creak through the glass. She was about to lift it off of the wall when a chill ran down both of their spines. You should not have come here, a voice echoed. The duo turned around and saw a tall, elderly woman dressed in a yellow robe with blue skin and long silver hair hovered towards them. There was no doubt in their minds that this was Mother Time. Comet felt a lump in his throat as the omniscient being looked down on him. Instinctively, the prince fell to his knees and hung his head in fearful respect. Mighty Mother Time, W.E. apologize for disturbing you. Be but we are require your assistance. I am Dash. I know who you are, Prince Comet Dragonfly, Mother Time interrupted. And I know why you have come here. It is my sacred duty to know everything that happens in the multiverse, past, present, and future. T then, you know we've come to correct our mistake. Comet stammered as he got back on his feet. Mother Time snorted. Have you ever heard the phrase history repeats itself? Don't answer that. You're not the first king of Muni to come barging into my domain to demand that I fix their mess, and you'll not be the last. The first was Thaddeus, the brute. He wanted me to surrender my power to him, so instead I cursed him with immortality and invulnerability before I chained him under the very stump your family draws power from. The next was the bastard who dared to call himself king of ours. Skywind made the same mistake you made and came to me, begging for repentance. But somehow, he was able to cloud my vision of the future and prevented me from seeing that he would betray me once he learned all of my secrets. And now, here you are. Come to twist the knife your forefather stabbed me with. I, it's not like that, mother time. Comet gulped. It was an accident. I didn't even think it would double your work. Look, this isn't his fault, okay? It's mine. Marcia chimed in nervously. I was the one who asked him to cast the spell. So if you want to be mad at someone, be mad at me. But don't make an entire universe suffer because of my selfishness. Yes, I know I messed up, but we can fix this. Comet pleaded. And I swear, we'll never do this again. I'll. 
I'll even tear the spell out of the great book. Mother Time rubbed her chin in thought as she let out an amused huff. With a snap of her fingers, two mirrors rose from the ground in front of the two teenagers and their reflections began to reshape into images of their pasts. It was then that they realized what was going on. Mother Time was viewing their entire lives. King Mars and Queen Lake looked down at their newborn child with unbridled joy. He's amazing. Mars smiled. What do you want to name him? Lake wiped a bead of sweat from her brow and nervously brushed aside a strand of her hair. Well, if you don't mind, I kinda like. Comet. Mars blinked in surprise before crying, happily. Well, I... I think that's perfect. The king looked down at his son. Hello, Comet. Hello, little Comet. A few years later, Mars and his wife were playing with their son in the royal nursery. Much to their delight, the prince managed to prop himself up on the wall and started taking his first steps. Mars proudly lifted his boy in his arms and kissed his forehead, making the boy giggle. Good job, Comet, Mars praised. Oh, our baby boy is growing up, Lake cried happily. Sadly, the MHC entered the room and requested the king's presence. With a heavy heart, Mars handed the prince over to Lake and left to deal with his kingly duties. Comet whined as he reached out for his father. All Lake could do was cradle her baby in her arms, trying to offer him comfort. Another few years later saw Comet trying to make friends with Prince Ponyhead and the other princes of Muni. Ponyhead had helped the crown prince with his initiation into the club, and now all Comet had to do was give a speech in front of the club. Straightening his tie, Comet turned back to his best friend before taking the stage. Thank you again for all your help, Prince Ponyhead. No problem, D-Fly. D-Fly? Comet grinned. I like that. I'm finally cool enough for a nickname. You sure are. Now get up there and give that speech. Yes. Comet eagerly ran up to the stage and bowed in front of the applauding crowd. Ahem, gentlemen. I am honored to finally join you as a future Dash. Suddenly, Comet found himself drenched in pig goat blood, ruining his hair and clothes. The entire crowd burst out laughing at the prince's misfortune. As he looked back and saw Ponyhead holding the rope that dumped the bucket of blood on him, he finally understood that he had fallen victim to another cruel prank, and he hated himself for falling for it once more. With tears in his eyes, Comet ran out of the clubhouse back to his family's castle. Yeah, that's right, Ponyhead taunted. Run home to Mommy and Daddy. You suck. The day after, Comet tried to plead with his father to return to his private tutoring, only to have his requests fall on deaf ears. Not now, boy, Mars said sternly. I have far more important things to focus on. When the king left, Comet was left to wallow in self-pity and anger. The hearts on his cheeks seemed to crack as a flicker of green magic flashed over his eyes. Acting on impulse, he almost punched a nearby wall as an outlet for his frustration, but stopped himself as he saw the tapestry his blow would have destroyed. His heart marks reformed and the green magic faded away as he gazed up at the lavender eyes of his beloved namesake. Grandpa, he whispered sadly. After that, 
Comet would endure whatever bullying the other princes threw at him without any complaints. Another few years ahead, saw Comet wrestling with his Johansson cousins to help him blow off some steam from weeks of back-to-back -back study sessions. They were all so confused as to how the crown prince was so strong with such little muscle mass. So far, he had defeated Bobby Johansson, Sarah Johansson, Big Bobby Johansson, Michael Johansson, Bigger Bobby Johansson, and Catelyn Johansson. His mother clapped and cheered for him from the bleachers. You're doing amazing, sweetie! She shouted proudly. Comet took a bow for the crowd, but his face fell once he saw that his father wasn't sitting anywhere in the stands. It shouldn't have surprised him that the king hadn't been there for him, but it still hurt. He didn't have time to think much about it as his final opponent, biggest Bobby Johansson, stomped into the ring, towering over the prince. Comet's aunt and uncle hooped and hollered to rejoice their eldest child's victory over the crown prince, but Comet was unimpressed. I accept your surrender, he huffed bitterly. Biggest Bobby laughed at his cousin's audacity and swung his fist. Comet blocked the punch with one hand, startling his cousins. The prince delivered a powerful uppercut that sent Biggest Bobby flying out of the ring, silencing the crowd. Unceremoniously, Comet jumped down from the ring and walked over to ask his mother if they could go home. At last, the images displayed the day Comet earned the scepter and traveled to Earth. Whenever Comet was with Marcia, he seemed genuinely happy and at peace. Even when they were risking their lives to fight off monsters, Comet seemed happiest whenever he was with Marcia. The images concluded with the very day that began their current adventure, and how much fun he and Marcia had before the gravity of the situation came crashing down on them. The prince stared at his mirror with a saddened expression. At the same time, his best friend was looking at her own mirror. Marcia's birth was celebrated by her entire extended family. Her parents raised her with all the love and affection in the world, and she grew up to be a kind and friendly girl. She met Jonah when the two were in elementary school and played on the same little league soccer team. Jonah was being teased by the other players, but Marcia offered him a dandelion and an invitation to her birthday party. It was also around that time that she met Jackson Lee Thomas. When she skinned her knee during a game, Jackson placed a bandage on her wound and kindly made sure that she was okay. From that day forward, Marcia would be infatuated with the boy. Are you okay? he asked. Why, yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. Many years later, Marcia passed her entrance exam to Echo Creek Academy alongside Jonah and Jackson. Marcia was still too shy to actually ask him out, so... Whenever she saw him passing by on his skateboard, she would nod in greeting just to see if he would acknowledge her. She left the school with Jonah and they met her parents outside. Oh, Marcia, I'm so proud of you. Rosa praised her daughter for passing the entrance exam. Let's go celebrate. Where would you like to go for dinner? Nothing's better than your cooking, Mom. Marcia smiled. Can Jonah come over tonight so we can celebrate together? I don't see why not. Angelo agreed, happily. Yes. Jonah cheered. There is nothing better than free food. The mood was ruined, however, when a group of juniors threw garbage at the two new students. One year had passed, and Marcia wasn't adjusting to high school as well as she'd hoped.
She still hadn't tried to flirt with Jackson only nodding at him whenever she passed him and the bullying hadn't stopped. At last, Marcia decided she had had enough. She walked up to one of her bullies after school and hit him in the head with her backpack. The bully was furious and tried to fight back, but Marcia never gave him the chance as she dodged his punch and knocked the wind out of him with another savage swing of her backpack. Marcia spat on his face and began to walk home. One month later, the bully had gathered three friends and cornered Marcia and Jonah while on their way home. They were armed with chains, brass knuckles, and a baseball bat. Jonah cowered in fear, worried that he and Marcia were about to die. Marcia, on the other hand, decided not to go down without a fight. You deserve this, you little bitch! The leader of the group snapped. This is what you get for Dash. He was cut off as Marcia dodged his punch and kicked him in the crotch. Once he recovered, he punched again and managed to hit her elbow, but Marcia ignored the pain and gave him a black eye in return. The other bullies were understandably startled. All right, you cabrons. Who else wants some? She snarled. Later that night, Marcia walked into her home with a broken arm and quietly walked past her parents. Marcia, what happened? Angelo gasped. Are you all right? What happened to your arm? Rose ran to the phone to call an ambulance. I'm fine. Marcia huffed. The paramedics are on their way. Rosa called from the kitchen. Marcia, please. What happened? Angelo went on. Talk to us. Get off my back, goddammit. Marcia shouted as she angrily ran upstairs leaving her parents in stunned silence. Going even further into the future, Marcia had earned the reputation of the toughest girl in Echo Creek, and she was finally left alone. But still, whenever she heard the faint sound of a skateboard coming her way, her heart would skip a beat and she tried to keep herself composed as she nodded at Jackson without a word. And this would continue every day for the next year until she finally met Comet. At last, the mirrors shattered into specks of dust that blew off into the wind. Mother Time's gaze had softened, slightly, but still held an air of judgment. The prince now understood why the Keeper of Time wouldn't trust him. He was unworthy of her trust. He was a weak-willed boy who couldn't even stand up to his own bullies due to his insecurities. And why? Because his father had a life of his own. Given the power of magic— he was a walking formula for disaster. As for Marcia, she was ashamed to see how she had gone from a sweet, friendly girl into a violent troublemaker who alienated anyone out of fear of being bullied. I'm... I'm sorry for disturbing you, Mother Time. Comet sighed, sadly. The prince took Marcia's hand and headed for the exit, prepared to live out the rest of his life in the private hell he had created. Come on, Marcia, let's get out of here. Another snap echoed throughout the castle halls, and the massive door slammed shut. Just as I predicted. Mother Time smirked. You are different. You excuse me? You see, I haven't been completely fair with you, Prince Comet. Mother Time explained, happily. The truth is, there is only one king of Muni who ever had the courage to enter my domain without disrupting the timeline. And just as he did... You did what no one else ever had, you said sorry. And because you have so humbly apologized today, 
I shall teach you how to restart time just as I showed Eclipsing in the past. Eclipsing? Comet gasped in shock. The King of Darkness? He came to apologize to you? Yes. Eclipsing felt guilty for his predecessor's past mistakes, and he came to ask for forgiveness on their behalf. So, with my blessing, your ancestor created an amulet that granted him the power of the three who came before him. She went on. Now, unfortunately for you, he saw fit to give that artifact to a human who found herself trapped in the demon realm. But if you're willing to put in the work, I can show you how to craft a device that will allow you to stop and restart the timeline of your dimension at will. Why, yes. Yes, of course. Comet replied eagerly. I'll do whatever it takes to rectify my mistake. Hey, wait a minute, Marcia spluttered. If you knew Comet wasn't the same selfish prick as those other two guys, why'd you guilt trip us with the mistakes of our pasts? Mother Time shrugged. If you had to spend all of eternity staring at a bunch of clocks all day, you'd get pretty bored, too. A few minutes later, Mother Time was coaching Comet on how to craft the stopwatch. His first task was to craft the frame of the watch from pure silver melted down from the heat of a dying star. Marcia helped him dig up the silver and the prince flew up towards the star. Using the scepter to protect himself from the heat, he was able to melt it down and bring it back in time to pour the liquid metal into a forge. His next task was to select the proper crystals to form the gears and cogs. Blue crystals were used to stop time, and yellow crystals were used to make it move forward again. Mother Time provided the tweezers and magnifying spectacles he needed to put it all together. Once the construction was complete, the final task was to fill the frame with water from the river. Comet was too afraid to actually touch the water after seeing his reflection earlier, so instead he used one of Crescento's levitation spells to magically collect a large droplet of water to place it inside the stopwatch. Mother Time was most impressed with the prince's craftsmanship and held the watch up to her lips as she whispered in enchantment. All right. Once you return to your dimension, press the button and time will restart. But do us all a favor, and don't try this again unless you really need to, okay? Comet happily pocketed the stopwatch and bowed in respect. I won't. I promise. Thank you, Mother Time. You won't regret this. The prince took out his interdimensional scissors and opened a portal to Echo Creek. Marcia flashed the timekeeper a grateful smile before she followed after her friend. As for Mother Time, she returned to her private quarters in the tower of her castle. There, she gazed at a framed picture of herself standing with the sixteen-year-old eclipsing dragonfly, taken on the very day he visited her. Don't worry, old friend. She smiled fondly. Everything is going according to plan. Meanwhile, back in Echo Creek Academy, Comet and Marcia got into their positions. Comet crossed his fingers behind his back and pressed the button on the stopwatch. A wave of blue energy rippled from the watch and through the universe, followed by a loud ticking noise. The duo looked around and saw that everyone was slowly starting to move again. Once the ticking stopped, everything was moving forward at the correct pace. Comet sighed in relief and placed the stopwatch in his coat pocket. As always, Jackson skated past Marcia and she nodded at him as he went by. However, 
Before he could go any further, she thought about what she saw in the mirror at the plains of time, and what Comet had told her earlier. H. Hey, Jackson! Wait up! Marcia nervously called out. The skater stopped and turned around to face her. Um, listen, I, uh, I was wondering if you, if you wanted to hang out sometime? Sure, sounds like fun. Jackson smiled. Wanna meet up at Britta's Tacos after school? Marcia could hardly believe her ears. She glanced past Jackson and saw Comet giving her an encouraging thumbs up. As sure. I love that place. Great, I'll see you there. With that, he skated away to first period. Comet tried to congratulate Marcia for her courage, but she didn't hear a word he said over her love-struck giggling. Later that night, Comet opened the great book of magic to talk to Indexia. He explained the events of the day and how he was able to fix it before asking her how he could prevent such a mistake from happening again. The problem is that you've been skimming through the great book, your highness, Indexia remarked. In order to prevent such a fatal mistake from happening again, you need to dip down into the lessons your forefathers have left behind for you. Comet glanced down at the giant book on his bed and the stopwatch in his hand with a gleam in his eyes. Indexia was right. He had spent so much time studying how to be a perfect prince, he hadn't focused enough on how to be a perfect magic user. He thanked his teacher before she went back into the book. He was about to study a bit more when his magic mirror received an incoming call from his father. He closed the book and answered the call. Hi, Dad. What, uh, what's up? Oh, you know. Mars sighed tiredly. Just the same old boring king stuff. A long, long stressful day of paperwork, politics, and problems. What did you do today? Um, well... The prince was sorely tempted to tell his father everything he had been through, thinking about what he saw in the mirror at the plains of time, and what Marcia had told him after solving his sleep-spelling problem. But as he saw the tiredness in Mar's eyes, he pocketed the stopwatch and put on his usual empty smile. Oh, nothing important, 